Support for this podcast comes from Lever, providing a modern take on the applicant tracking system. Lever combines ATS and CRM functionality into a single powerful platform to help you source, nurture and manage your candidates all in one place. What's more, Lever's deceptively simple interface means that hiring managers and applicants love it too. To find out how Lever can help you both accelerate and humanise hiring, visit www.lever.co slash recruit. That's www.lever.co slash recruit. And Lever is spelt L-E-V-E-R. Lever, where ATS meets CRM. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 100 of the Recruiting Feature Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be recording the 100th episode of the show, and I'm hugely thankful to everyone who has made the podcast so successful. It couldn't happen without the brilliant guests, the supportive sponsors, and you, the amazing listeners. Also, a special extra thank you to the wonderful people at Lever, who are supporting this 100th episode and the free white paper I've produced to accompany it. So what are this episode and the white paper all about? Well, there are now over 45 hours of content across the 100 episodes of the show. And I wanted to make that content easier for people to explore by resurfacing some of the most insightful and relevant interviews of the last two years. Coming up in a minute are audio highlights from 10 of my very favourite interviews. If you download the white paper, and I hope you will, you'll find 40 episodes indexed into the key topics we cover on the show. Recruitment marketing, recruitment strategy, data and analytics, employer branding, recruitment technology, and predictions about the future. You can download the white paper at bit.ly slash trends in talent. That's bit.ly slash trends in talent. I'll repeat that address at the end of the show, and you'll also be able to find the link in the show notes. So let's move on with the episode. Recruitment marketing is probably one of the biggest topics out there at the moment. Here's HR Pro and industry commentator Tim Sackett giving us his thoughts on why it's become so important. Well, I think for years we had this uh, employment branding kind of segment, right? And in employment branding, um, you know, it's one aspect of recruitment marketing. And I think everybody focused on that. Just, oh, we have to have a brand. We have to have a brand. We have to have a brand. And then what happened was everybody had a brand and then they didn't know what to do with that brand. And so the recruitment marketing side came out because I think everyone said, oh, well, wait a minute. Once you have a brand and you have this story, now you have to find a way to share the story. And that's content marketing and email nurturing and social recruiting and mobile recruiting and career sites and SEO and employee referrals and talent networks and you know everything that comes into this recruitment marketing segment. Um, and so I think it was started with that. And I, I want to say probably five, seven years ago, you know, that the employment branding side started to become really hot. And 
And I think that's what happened because people all of a sudden they would spend, I mean, Matt, we know big companies that were spending millions of dollars on creating an employment brand. And then it was like, okay, we have a brand. And then they were like, well, why don't we have more candidates? It's always brilliant to find companies who have really sophisticated approaches to recruitment marketing. Here's Jennifer Johnson from Salesforce talking about their approach to nurturing passive candidates. And if I could just sort of dig deeper into some of that, I saw you, um, uh, I saw you do a presentation a few uh, a few months ago where you you really kind of talked about um, the, the sort of ecosystem of, of passive talent that you have and how you um, you know how you sort of nurture people through well first of all how you identify people and then you sort of nurture them through a um, through a bit of a journey. Could you, could you tell us a bit more about about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mentioned that that portion of our our hiring that really comes through, you know, reach outs to passive talent. And so a few things, you know, when we we want to drive targeted leads, you know, we want to drive targeted um, traffic into our pipeline. And part of doing that is understanding the types of people that are successful at Salesforce. So we do a lot of research into the backgrounds of our successful sales representatives, as well as the backgrounds of our successful engineers that tell us, you know, what schools they come from, what companies they come from, um, so that we're able to go out on places like LinkedIn, Glassdoor, and, and put our messaging in front of them. So surface jobs to people that fit our profiles so that, that they might, you know, indicate to us that they're interested. Um, so that's one of the ways we drive, drive the targeted leads. And then as those leads come in, we do another step where, you know, everyone that comes into us, whether through an applicant or, or a lead form, um, our recruiters look at those and they take a further kind of qualifying lens and say, is this truly someone we would want to hire? Because one thing we don't want to do that I think really hurts a lot of companies and their brands is a lot of people do this talent community concept where they talk to anyone and everyone who they have a name for. Um, And I think that's actually kind of negative because for us, if we look at your background and we know you're probably not someone we're going to hire, we don't want to keep talking to you and encouraging you to keep expressing your interest if we're not going to hire you. So once we've determined you're a qualified lead, someone that who on paper looks like we would hire, we do a few things. We do uh, send you news and updates on what's exciting going on in the business in the hopes that, you know, one of those emails will be the day when you're maybe not having a great day at your current job and you're saying what else is out there. And that's the day that you want to reach out to us. Or you have an email from us in your inbox, maybe it's from three months ago, and we often see this happen where someone will say, okay, I've had that day today, you know, talk to me, Salesforce. They, they know who they know who we are. They know they want to potentially engage with us. And they have our, I like to say they have our number. Um, so that's another nurturing piece that we do. Um, another great nurturing thing that we do is inviting people who have any level of interest in us to events. We love to invite them to our customer events where we do our, you know, big product keynotes and breakout sessions. And you get to hear from our customers And at those events, we actually do sessions on what life at Salesforce is like as well, that they can come and hear from our employees what working with us is like. And so those events are a great way for us to have kind of a two-way exchange with them. Um, We invite them to networking sessions where they meet with our hiring managers. And we find that really pushes a lot of people over the edge to say, okay, yeah, I'm ready, Salesforce. You know, let's talk opportunities. Um, So those are just a couple of the ways that we're we're keeping in touch with people that we've identified that we know we want to hire. Recruiting is increasing in complexity and strategic thinking is critical. 
It's been great to have so many recruiting and HR leaders on the show, sharing stories of how they've raised their recruiting activity to a more strategic level. All the way back in episode 14, I was lucky enough to get to speak to Laszlo Bock, who at the time was SVP of People Operations at Google. Here he is explaining why getting recruiting right is so important and debunking a few myths along the way. You say in the book, and um, this is kind of really interesting to me, that hiring is the single most important people activity that um, any organisation should undertake. Why is it so important to Google? The reason it's the most important thing is because if you're doing hiring right, then you're able to hire people who are way better than average. So let's imagine, you know, instead of hiring average people, you can hire 80th or 90th percentile quality people. Um, if you're doing that right, all the other HR stuff companies do, you kind of don't need to invest a lot in. And you don't need to invest a lot in management because if you're hiring exceptional people who are smart and curious and motivated and want to do the right thing, they'll figure most of this stuff out for you and they'll reward you, your customers, and your company. So much gets written about Google's hiring process, mostly by people who, um, you know, <laughs> have never worked in it or never gone through it. Um, and it's all about, you know, 20 interviews and, and crazy brain teasers. Is that, is that true or is that... Um, that no, that used to be true. That used yeah. to be very true. I remember when I interviewed, I had something like 25 interviews before I got the job. Wow. And they wanted me to come out for more from New York to California to do even more interviews. And I actually said, you know what? Enough. You know me well enough already. I know you. Just make a decision. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, the average is just over four interviews per person. Okay. Uh, hiring time went down from six to nine months on average to about 45 days on average. We're working to get that down a little lower. Uh, and it's uh, and we've banned brain teasers. Now okay. some can some interviewers will still ask the questions, and yeah. basically what happens is when they get to our senior review, we just ignore those questions. Cool. So if you blew it on a brain teaser, don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> that's good news. That's yeah. good news. Um, uh, talking about your senior review, you say in the book that as CEO, Larry Page reviews every single hire you make. Is that true? It is true. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how many is that a week? How does that how does that work in terms of um, timescales and things like that? Well, the way it works is, uh, so we've, part of the reason the hiring process takes 45 days is we have a series of reviews at the end. There's a hiring committee that actually makes the initial hiring recommendation, and the hiring manager doesn't sit on that committee. Then it goes to sort of, we don't have a name for it, actually, uh, but sort of senior review. So, yeah. for example, for sales and GNA, I and a colleague review everyone each week. And then all of those hires, plus the technical ones, get compiled into a spreadsheet, which goes to Larry, a Google Tricks spreadsheet, with links to all the detail, and he gets it every week and takes a look at it. Cool. So... Another, I think another common, perhaps, misconception, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's a real truism that people say everyone wants to work at Google, and you kind of mentioned that you have millions of applications. Does everyone want, want to work at Google, what, or do you have recruitment challenges? Well, I like to think deep, deep down in their soul, everyone does. Well, of course. Yeah. Um, of course they do. They, they may not know it yet. Yeah. Um, but no, actually, you know, most of the best people are not even thinking about working someplace else because they're working at companies where they're doing great work and they're valued. So they're rewarded. They feel good about their work. They enjoy their manager. They're, they're happy um, because high performers tend to do well and tend to be valued. Mm. So the trick is we actually have to invest a lot in going out and finding those people. And, okay. and we try to sort of call them when they're having a bad day and okay. get to know them over time and entice them. Cool. Do you know they're having a bad day? Is that uh, no. in Google's kind of uh, data set somewhere? No, that's just a volume <laughs> game. <laughs> When you're facing difficult hiring challenges, innovation and creative thinking are both vital. Here's Anna Lambert from Shopify talking about their unique approach to the interview process. 
You mentioned there that you've got quite a sort of unique um, recruitment process or, or way of recruiting. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So a lot of companies um, look at talent as, you know, my least favorite term, bums in seats or resources. Um, and the, you know, the approach to finding these folks is very much about, you know, what is written on the CV. And certainly that is one indicator of um, potential success. You know, what you've done in the past typically is a good predictor of the future. Um, and I think the approach that we take is uh, one, we're, uh, you know, working with human beings and they bring not only their skill sets, you know, their experiences, but their volunteer work and their families and, you know, their different personality types and what gets them excited outside of work. And so we really take a holistic approach to understanding a person, you know, what they love to do, why, you know, why they come to work every day and, and how they want to have an impact um, uh, as well. So I think that's one of um, kind of the key things. And how we do that is that we genuinely get to know people in the process. So, you know, we do what's called the life story. And essentially, we sit down with a, a person and we start from a point of time in the past and we talk about their transitions, their, um, you know, the, the impact they've had, how engaged they were in their work. You know, folks bring up really interesting side projects that we might not we might not have otherwise learned about had we taken the kind of traditional approach of what's on the CV and what professional experience only have they had. And so what we what we find is that we end up, you know, learning about so many things that another company might not, and we can place a person in the best role for them to solve the problems that interest them the most. The relationship between recruiters and their hiring managers is a crucial part of any strategic approach to recruiting. Here's John Blastalika from Recruiting Toolbox explaining just how important this is. When I look at the, the recruiting teams that are most amazing, that are most effective, that have the best metrics, the best outcomes uh, for their companies – I got to be honest, I don't want to take anything away from great recruiters because there's no question great recruiters are differentiators for companies. But it's typically even more uh, because the hiring managers are engaged. And they're not, they don't just show up to work engaged. It's often because the recruiters are really good at getting the hiring managers engaged. But hiring manager engagement is really the secret sauce to great recruiting. It's, it's really what drives speed. It's what drives quality. And that's really what the organization cares most about. And so I'm very passionate about this topic because, frankly, I've worked at organizations uh, as a practitioner that, that haven't had that. And, and I didn't know that I didn't have it until I went to a company that had it and I helped to build it. And uh, once you have it, it makes your life, it's, it's just awesome. It's, it's fantastic as a recruiter. And, and the business, the, the kind of getting up and being excited about going to work every day, the business, when they're engaged, it just, it makes our job so much more fun. It, it, it allows us to create a, a totally different kind of candidate experience. It allows us to attract and source totally different kind of talent than if it's just, you know, the, the recruiter struggling every day to pitch resumes at a disengaged hiring manager who's just waiting for everything on a silver platter, who doesn't follow up and give you feedback, who doesn't, you know, take interviews seriously, who doesn't get involved in the close. That's, that's just not fun. I mean, it's part of our job. So welcome to recruiting. You're always going to have some like that. But the more hiring managers you can turn into partners that you can get engaged, the better for everyone. Everyone wins when that happens. Data and analytics are a growing element of recruiting strategy. But what exactly can or should be measured? 
Here's analyst Kyle Lagunas from IDC with his take on data-driven recruiting. So coming back to analytics, I think what will be interesting is to get a sense from you of, of you know, what's the, what's the potential in analytics? You talked about um, uh, recruitment teams measuring um, some basic stuff, but but what could they measure? What What's the potential in this space? Yeah, I, I, again, you're asking questions and I just love you for asking. It's like I'm, you're teeing me up perfectly. Um, so what is the potential with talent analytics, especially as it relates to recruiting? Well, I, I, I defined... Um, data-driven recruitment. We talk about this at conferences all the time. I'm sure that you do too, Matt. Um, But we don't really know what data-driven recruiting is. I I talk about it as the measurement and analysis of talent data, which is structured and unstructured data, Um, and then the application of data-based insights to optimize uh, recruiting performance. That's what what data-driven recruiting is. Uh, Going beyond gut um, to, you know, to optimize a recruiting operation, essentially. And, and that's really what we're trying to get at with better measurement practices. Understand what's working, um, understand what's not, and why not, and then doing better. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but then you can go beyond just that lens of, of what is it, what's the value for recruiting, um, and then look at what's the value for the business. Um, I, I did a survey around measurement practices last year, and one of the questions I asked was, how are you reporting your, your, um, your talent acquisition performance data uh, to the organization? And although I was glad to see that the vast majority were reporting performance data to the executive level, I think it was something like 91% or something was reporting to executive level, only 23% were reporting to hiring managers, which meant that 77% of hiring managers had absolutely no idea how things were going on in recruiting, except for when you know the recruiter tell them, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get you better candidates. I'm trying to find people for you. And hiring managers are just left to take us at our word. Now, you and I both know recruiting is getting really, really hard. It's always been a hard job. It's getting, I think, even more difficult because there's so much more noise out there. And it's, a, it's, it's impossible to cut through that noise if you're just taking shots in the dark. Um, with better analytics, not only can you improve your performance in this crowded space, heavily competitive space, but you can demonstrate to the business where what you're working on and what outcomes you're ha- you're getting and and what you can expect um, over the next three months or um, you know what's going on with your candidate pipeline. You can actually show the business tangible effort, you know, instead of. Um, most of what we do happens outside of any system of record. You know, we're we're um, we're filing through our Rolodex, figuratively speaking, and calling up everyone we can find. Um, but if we don't actually have anything to show for all that effort, and if, if we're still struggling to get candidates in the pipeline, or we're, we're struggling to find uh, folks that meet that meet all the twenty five requirements that this hiring manager set out for us, um, it's it's. It doesn't look good to the business when we just say, I'm doing my best, I'm, I'm doing what I can. Even though we are doing our best, even though we are doing what we can, no other business function in the organization is actually going to just tell, expect the business to take them at their word. Um, everyone else can actually demonstrate exactly what they're doing and what kind of outcomes it's having, especially if you look at consumer marketing, which has a huge budget. I mean, bigger budget than recruiting does. 
Um, and they can demonstrate what every one of those little clicks does, you know, what, what every layer of engagement does for, uh, for um, building up uh, brand and for building up uh, reputation in the market. And, and I think that we need to get better at that so that we can, can, so we can have a more open dialogue around, with the business around what's working and what's not. So, you know, we can get more buy-in from the business. So onwards into employer branding. But what does a modern approach to this look like? Here's Ewan McNair from Standard Life, telling us what they're doing to keep ahead of the competition. How do you take the the, the concept of what you've talked about um, as an employer brand and, and actually sort of put that into practice? How does, how does that work? I think what we've done here at, at Standard Life is we've done a number of sessions with areas of the business to upskill them on what what good content looks like um, and what really authentic content um, could achieve. Um, so we've done that in a number of different areas. So we've recently relaunched some of our early careers initiatives and rather than using the, the job descriptions, we've used stories. And what we've done is link that back to what our purpose is as a business, which is to invest for a better future. So especially in early careers, you can't you know, that strap line sits and resonates so well in that space. And we can demonstrate that, yes, we do that for customers, but we also do it for employees. So what does, you know, joining us at the age of, you know, 16, 17 as a school leaver, what does that mean? And then being paid the living wage, how has that impacted you in and out of work? Um, and again, the feedback that we get from, from people that we showcase is really strong. So it tie in to their employee engagement as well, as I, as I mentioned. So that, that works really, really well. I think... I've been, again, lucky enough to work with people in the business that actually they get what we're trying to achieve. And it is we need to do a bit more to attract different people from different backgrounds or um, can we cause a bit of disruption in the Edinburgh marketplace um, or further afield if we're recruiting for for London or or globally. Um, And really just showcase some of our employees because, again, I mentioned that earlier on, they're our best asset. So how do we put them um, out there effectively so that people can actually... You know, I, I think you're more inclined to read a story or watch a video about somebody's journey than you are to read a job description, which, again, inherently boring, but sometimes just a, a wish list of bullet points. Um, and how realistic is it that you're going to get someone to do 100% of that? Maybe maybe never. Um, so let's tell a story and, and bring it to life. And I think you've got to bring the, the D&I angle into all of that as, as well and just really open up our business. So that's where we go with it all. And again, tracking all the results at the back end, all the data from, from LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, any of our, our pages backs all of that up and we've been able to over the last two years tweak our approach to suit be it different times to post or different content to share we now have a more informed uh, view of things which really helps shape the, the process employee advocacy is now a key pillar of employer brand strategy here's ruth penfold from shazam talking about their approach to using employees as advocates so you mentioned that you have to be quite creative in your talent attraction. What what sort of tools and techniques techniques have you used to um, you know find that difficult to find engineering talent? So um, lots of different things over the in the fullness of time. Um, so uh, you you sort of make, need to make sure that your house is in order. So you know what? How are you presenting the roles that you have? How are you t- telling them about people? So the first thing that I did when I joined Shazam was to really change the mindset of the business around recruitment. 
So starting to see, for everybody to start to see recruitment as their responsibility, not just the recruitment team, because our people are our greatest talent attraction tool that we have. So what I do, and in fact, I, d- I ran a workshop on this um, towards the end of last year. Um, we're, I'm very big and big on employee advocacy at this point. So it's really, um, you know, as many as, my, as our people are out there talking about the amazing work that they're doing, whether that's writing about it online or speaking about it somewhere or just meeting someone in a pub and talking about it. Um, so that th- they really can be the pivotal thing in attracting the right people to us. Um, so I really wanted to create that mindset amongst the people that are here because not everybody wants to stand up on a stage and talk about it, but, but most people do meet people in their day-to-day life and say, hey, I work at Shazam, right? Um, so I think, I think that far and away, my cheapest and most effective talent attraction tool is definitely the humans that work here. Um, so, so sort of stepping back from that, it has to be about making sure that they're having the right experience here. Um, then there's the, then there's the other sort of outreach type stuff that you would do. Um, having, having a great process and making sure that communication is at the, is at the center, uh, is it, is the focal point of all of your recruiting is is the key stuff really for making sure that everyone has a great experience. Um, you know, the way that people feel when they come in and meet us is again, key talent attraction tool. Cause uh, if they have a terrible experience, they will definitely go and tell everybody about it. Um, but then it's also about making sure that I was giving access and that we were giving a- people access to what it looks like on the inside in Shazam. Predicting the future of the industry is something I ask everyone to do in my interviews. However, the future of recruiting is just a subtopic within the context of the future of work. Here's renowned futurist and best-selling author Jacob Morgan letting us know what we should expect. Well, there are several trends that we're starting to see um, shaping organizations. I mean, if I specifically look at HR, um, of course, you, you know, you touched on on one that I mentioned, which is the the AI and the technology component which is going to take away kind of traditional HR functions. Um, We're starting to see a more dynamic workforce. So not just traditional employees, part-timers, like it's going to be very dynamic. Gig workers, freelancers, 1099. There's a lot of different things that are happening here. So you need to be comfortable leading and managing and building a very hybrid workforce um, that is very dynamic and that's very fluid. Data and analytics is going to be a huge area. It already is that organizations are investing in. So how do we truly know what's going on inside of our organizations from a people perspective? Which, by the way, used to be a very um, kind of a soft, I don't even want to say soft, but it used to be a lot of people-related roles and HR um, decisions were made based on kind of gut instinct, right? There there wasn't a lot of like quantitative data and analytics that you could look at for a lot of HR-related things. And that's shifting, where HR is going to have a very, very robust data and people analytics team where decisions will be made based on data that has been collected. So we're definitely seeing um, a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, Physical workspace design, we're definitely seeing organizations around the world spend billions of dollars building new new spaces. Uh, And I think at the core, we're seeing a redefinition of of what work actually means. Um, So how do we redefine employee, manager, work, um, more soft skills inside of our organizations is another big area that we're seeing strong investments in. 
But by and large, the the core of our organizations, you know, it's not like if you look 10 years down the road, you're going to see an organization and say, oh my goodness, this is so different than the organization of a decade ago. Not entirely true. There will be changes, but it's not as if if you were to fast forward 10 years, the organization will be unrecognizable. So a lot of the things will still be there, right? I mean, there's still going to be some form of structure. We're still going to have uh, offices and places where we show up to work. Uh, we're, a lot of these traditional things are still going to be there. We're still going to have managers. But the ways in which we structure these organizations are going to be different. Um, more technology, more hybrid workforce, different spaces that we're going to be redesigning. So the... I, I, I kind of struggle because um, sometimes we hear people say that companies are just going to be radically different and there will be changes, but it's not going to be to the extreme of like, you know, radical transformation where you won't recognize the organization. You're still going to have a CEO. You're still going to have an executive team. Many organizations um, may still even have cubicles. So, um, it really depends, I think, on, on the organization. The organizations that are already thinking about this now, I think will pull much farther ahead than they already are. Finally, who better to finish this 100th episode than one of my most listened to guests? Here's Matt Buckland from List with a typically pragmatic view on the state of the industry. If you could change one thing about the recruitment industry, well, several things, um, but you know, one, one thing to start with, if you could change it about the recruitment industry tomorrow, um, what would that be? So I think there's, there, there's like a catch-all for me, and that's that we should be true to ourselves a lot more. So uh, I'm, I'm very lucky, and, and occasionally people decide to let me speak at events for them and this kind of stuff, and I enjoy it, and I like meeting people. Um, and we see great speakers, we see these inspirational folks on stage, and then we go back to our jobs and we do things in the same way. So we get to see all this great technology, we see the demo, we don't use it, we go back to our jobs and do them in the same way. Um, I was recently on a panel talking about agency usage, and the biggest problem that people had was um, their hiring managers still see agency as magic. So they can't do the things you do. Well, at the back of my mind, I think there is no candidate database at the moment that exists, which is bigger than LinkedIn or an X-ray search of any of the other sites. So they only have access to those things as well. We have access to better tools, I think, than agency. We pay for licenses for Entello and Guild and all these great sourcing things, which we can you know, find other people who perhaps have put their email address on a website 10 years ago and suddenly now they're, they're contactable. Um, but those things are, are, are sort of light years away than the actual reality. And I think people, we, we, we go along with the, the, this thrust of like, this is new and wonderful in recruitment, where actually recruitment feels like it's 10 years behind other industries. Certainly things like digital marketing, um, where we're only just catching up with the, the ability to measure stuff. I mean, we've talked about time to hire or cost for hire like it was the key defining metric for, for years now. Whereas digital marketing, they've got mouse flow, which tells you where users click on a site. Um, it tells you exactly the traffic, how they interacted, where did they abandon that process. We can do all these things very, very simply. We just choose not to. My thanks to Tim Sackett, Jennifer Johnson, Laszlo Bock, Anna Lambert, John Vlastalika, 
Carla Gunis, Ewan McNair, Ruth Penfold, Jacob Morgan, and Matt Buckland. Remember that you can download the 100th episode white paper for free at www.bit.ly slash trendsintalent. That's bit.ly slash trendsintalent and trendsintalent is all lowercase. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app which you can download at your app store. Just search for Recruiting Future. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks to everyone for listening. I have some amazing guests coming up, so I'll be back next week with episode 101, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.